Welcome to the Rose Garden. I'm Holly. And I'm Julia. Here to talk about all things Bachelor. Welcome back. We're here to talk about Desperate Housewives. It is episode 16 of season one. The date is March 27th of 2005. The Ladies Who Lunch, which is from Sondheim, of course, Follies. It's a really iconic song. There's not much to say. She's talking about the bullshit lives of rich women and they're going about their day. Like it's very lines up with the country club vibe. Yeah, definitely. And this episode is like, not as much as happening with the wives, but with other situations going on. Yes, we get a little more focus. Like Edie gets a little more attention. And of course, Maisie, who's pretty intertwined with Brie, though. Which yeah. let's just dive right in. The episode starts with scandal as the theme throughout even the most respectable of neighborhoods. You can hear the sound of scandal. We see Ida stealing Bree's newspaper, which I love, and she's just shouting at Ida. That is not your newspaper. <laughs> the cable guy offering to hook Tom up with the free porn for $20. Which means it's not free if it's $20, but it's a damn good deal if you get unlimited porn. <laughs> yeah. You didn't know he took him up on that. Yeah, pay-per-view for 20 bucks. Not bad. There's also this last scene where there's like kids cleaning up TP or something, and a guy comes out on his lawn with like a rifle. Yeah. <laughs> Get off my lawn! <laughs> and then we have Maisie with a client, and she's you know chatting with them as she does in her way with her little accent. <laughs> <laughs> her accent cracks me up. And then the client whips out some handcuffs, and she says, "Well, that's going to cost you extra." <laughs> and she's under arrest thrown on the bed which is all very you know the snm parallels it's so good and she's yeah. in this being perp walked down her driveway in the pink lingerie with the black thigh high stockings and garters yeah she decides to run she decides <laughs> oh, yeah she's, she's like fighting yes the whole time she's struggling and she thinks it's a good idea to just go charging and she makes it about halfway down her own front lawn she doesn't make it far at all <laughs> she trips in her heels because she's also in stilettos of course yeah I love the contrast of the Sondheim song being like oh boring neighborhood everyone's like just drinking their martinis and then the housewife that's like running in her lingerie and getting arrested <laughs> yes completely insanity but this is also it the ladies who lunch talking about each other talking yeah. shit like it's exactly right. on point it's often said that good news travels fast but every housewife knows bad news travels much faster so true every person knows but yeah everybody yes. knows rex and brie are at the country club rex is still feeling sluggish and i'm remembering oh yeah george switched his medication forgot about that Poor Rex. Like, I wonder what that actually feels like. Like, what is happening to this poor man? We don't know. But it's the first kind of circle back to it. We it kind of the plot has been buried for a while with George. So I love that they just sprinkle in little pieces so we don't forget what's going on. Right. I'm curious when it's going to pop up, if it's going to happen next episode of when it's going to come to fruition, because it's been on the down low for a while. Yeah. Brie sees Tish running around spreading gossip and she flags her down to get said juicy gossip. 
only to learn that it's about Maisie and the rumor has it her little black book is out there with all the clients names oh my god Rex and Brie make that eye contact yikes they're in a predicament and then at the poker game with Lynette Edie is dishing about this and saying that Maisie's going to cut a deal and turn in her high profile Johns in exchange for a you know lighter sentence High-profile Johns. <laughs> and the women discuss what type of man would pay Maisie for sex. Obviously, someone who's not getting it at home. Poor Brie. Poor Brie is just like, I'm oh my to listen god. To them. I feel like this is somewhat relatable where you might have like a tiny little secret or something and you know everybody else, like everyone else is somehow talking about something that went on. Yeah. And like, like if someone's complaining about some someone did this and you're like, yeah. that was me. Right, right, exactly. But this is like times a hundred. Exactly, like way worse. Way worse. Oh my god, Brie actually goes to Maisie in prison with her muffin basket because she's a lady. She's wearing a really iconic outfit. It's like a purple purple monochrome look. It's like a bright pink coat kind of thing going on. It is like maybe a fuchsia. Something like that, yeah. But it's all like one color with it like it was one yeah. of my options for best dressed that i liked that one there wasn't a lot that i liked about people's outfits this episode in no. all honesty i almost put Maisie in her orange jumpsuit down she looked iconic she, she does look great. great in her jumpsuit i love a good jumpsuit what can i say i agree brie asks Maisie to erase rex's name from her book and Maisie's like, well, why the fuck would I do that? Brie offers her $14,000. That is a shitload of money. Like, let's just talk about how in this scene, she offers her $14,000. And then later, she's willing to offer uh, Gabby literally the entire year's worth of the country club membership. Like, this girl has money. Oh, she's rich. And she didn't end up paying Maisie. So she's like, well, I should give it to Gabby. And there are a lot of parallels actually in that, which we'll talk about as we get to it. Because in this conversation with Maisie, Maisie is saying like, oh, you're my friend now. Where were you when my husband lost his job a year ago? Mm -hmm. Like you weren't showing up to my door with muffin baskets. And Bree says, well, I didn't want to embarrass you. I didn't want to bring it up. Which is exactly what Gabby later says good friends do. So both of these two kind of paralleling friendships, poor Brie can't win, is ultimately what it boils down to. Um, But Maisie turns her down. She does give Brie credit for visiting her, though, because all of her friends have abandoned her now that she's the town whore. And Brie says, oh, sweetie, they didn't abandon you because you're a whore. They abandoned you because you weren't all that nice to begin with fucking savage also way to make sure she shares your husband's name it is so good if we had a list of like the best quotes from season one this would be on it we could make that i think we should we have the notes we can pull from that so good yeah then rex and brie are eating at the country club and they can sense everyone staring Maisie obviously shared rex's name and rex wants to leave and brie will not give everyone the satisfaction of them leaving which okay maybe to a point but he had already stood up and it was a moment like you're embarrassed at this point just, just it's too late yeah right 
No, fully. Um, I think it's interesting here that like this is the second time Rex is talking about his heart issues or like his symptoms and Brie can't pay attention because of what's going on and then neither can he and it's like the perfect recipe for a disaster because as soon as they talk about it nothing gets figured out. Yeah definitely like good thing he didn't have a heart attack right there in the country club because honestly that shit going on would have given like could easily have given him a heart attack. That little amount of stress. I mean, he's in a... threatening to scream all their dirty laundry out loud to the country. Oh, my God. And, like, that must mean that Brie is really in a particular mood because she's not willing to... No, that's that's a sign. She's willing to, like, make herself look crazy in order to make him look bad. Yikes. And that's a lot coming from Brie. Let's talk about Gabby and Carlos because we were talking about them. Gabby's taking a shower when Carlos sees sewage backing up into the sink and bathtub. Honey, <laughs> I want to get out of the... <laughs> the timing it's of that so one. Poor Gabby gets shit in her hair. When you really think about that, how fucking horrible. Oh, it's terrible. And it's not just like slightly brown. It's like opaque brown. Ugh, like, nasty. Ugh. It is full on sewage. Um, so Mike lets them know their outtake pipe is completely corroded. He's going to have to repipe the whole system. And that's about the end of my jargon that I was able to catch about pipes. Um, and it's going to ca- cost six to $7,000, which they do not have, obviously. It's important to note here, too, that Mike says he'll do the actual job itself for free, but the actual equipment is going to cost him that yeah, much. The like, he's willing to, like, materials. literally... He's literally willing to, like, do the best he can for them. And yeah, he's still just a nice can't... guy. Well, because he's grateful to be called by Carlos right. at all. He's glad that, you know, the rest of the neighborhood seems to be icing him out. And as Carlos points out, uh, not really a problem for him. He has his ankle monitor. Innocent until proven guilty, my friend. <laughs> and Gabby, of course, is like, I hope he's more innocent than you are. That was like a stupid line too. Like she could have come with up with a better uh, like comeback, but whatever. <laughs> we'll give Gabby credit. Yeah. Um, she's forced to improvise when it comes to personal hygiene. AKA she's brushing her teeth and taking what I've only called whores baths. I don't know any other not offensive term for it. For, I've never heard of that before. Uh, you know, toweling down, washing up in a bathroom without taking a real shower. A whores bath. Yeah, um, certainly not politically correct, (laughs) but it is the only term I've heard. So if you have a better one for me to exchange it for, please let me know. I'd love to find a new There probably isn't one because even commenting on the idea itself is probably not necessary. So people are like, we don't need a name. We don't need a name for washing up with a paper towel in a (laughs) bathroom, rinsing your armpits out with towelettes. Oh. Um, yeah, so she's doing that during Lynette's poker game. They're shaving in the hot tub and doing their laundry in it. The freaking jacuzzi thing outside. It's ridiculous. These poor guys. Almost as ridiculous as Gabby's brilliant idea when she's jogging and passes by a house under construction and sees that they have a porta potty and decides to just take it, wheel it away. Don't know how she managed to like shove it all the way home. So many flaws in this plan. First of all, someone saw you take it. People can see it in your yard. Your yard is not fully, 
hidden closed off yeah also those things need to be emptied out by a company that's going to come to the construction site to empty it out no porta potty there they're going to go away they're going to leave the shit in your yard ew it's so true and like imagine trying to scoot that thing around like you're you've got to be splashing shit everywhere (laughs) it was probably foul when carlos went in there are you kidding me? Because like it had just been shoved over into the drag into the yard. It's probably splashing around. And Carlos went in there and you know he took a seat. At that point, you might as well just be an animal and shit outside and bury your shit. Honestly, that would be less horrific than <laughs> yeah. Gabby stealing the porta potty, in my opinion. <laughs> probably the most sanitary way to go to the bathroom in general is just yeah. to outside because- <laughs> get a litter box. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Get in the litter box or something. Come on. Anyway, Carlos is hogging the porta potty, so Gabby has to go over to Bree's and make an excuse to check out her bathroom tile. And Bree obviously knows something's wrong. And she has Maisie on her mind now saying, You knew something was wrong and y'all didn't say anything. So she says something. She says, I can tell that there's something wrong. You're making excuses to go into people's bathrooms. Are you having money troubles? And Gabby doesn't take it very well. She says the line about how good friends don't acknowledge it. They ignore it and go act like nothing's wrong. Mm -hmm. And Brie hears this and just kind of accepts it for a second. And then she has her little country club experience i'm pretty sure is the order of that happening and then she decides you know what fuck the country club fuck Maisie gibbons i'm gonna give my friend the money and i'm not gonna take no for an answer i'm gonna force her to take my check yeah happy ending for everybody i know i do really enjoy the moment where gabby is like and um say hi to rex for me and then what is she says like she said I hope, what was it? Something about, I hope you and Carlos enjoy your home repair or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because they're trying to like, they're trying to be the like, about ignoring pretend. Because, yes. well, because yeah. Gabby throws in Bree's face. Oh, like you told me about Rex. Right, because now it's very clear that the list, we, we know the list has been out because the country club people have been watching them. But now it's clear that her friends know yeah. that Rex is on the And list. that's who she actually cares about, you know? Yeah. Which is like, oh, uh, and uh, happy ending for that. Let's talk about Lynette and her silly little story. <laughs> Lynette silly. and the lice. She gets to school. Everyone's, all the moms are buzzed about the lice outbreak. Who did it? Who started it? Parents have a right to know who brought this into our school. Cue the twins walking out, scratching their dirty little heads. <laughs> oh, no. Lynette's like, get your butts over here. Like, stop scratching. (laughs) Lynette and Tom are delousing the boys when the call comes from Tammy Topher's mom saying that he got the measles and the party is canceled. Lynette knows that is bullshit. She goes to the school to tell the boys that, tell them the boys are lice free and, you know, try to. I don't know what Lynette's goal really is as she's like, oh, at first it's like trying to defend her parenting. You know, oh, we keep the boys so clean. I don't know how it happened. Must be the petting zoo. Then she's like, I just feel so guilty for my boys starting this lice outbreak. And that's when we learn from the nurse that, 
oh, your boys didn't start it. That was another little boy. This is his fourth time with this problem. Oh, gross. Yeah. I think Lynette is just so tired of everyone defaulting every single issue. Oh, for sure. And just like, I'm so over it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, kids are the scapegoats. But and she calls out the nurse for that. She's like, this policy doesn't work because everyone's still placing blame. You know, my kids just got uninvited from Topher's party. And they're like, oh, Topher interesting have a seat yeah we learn who patient zero is it's Topher. so lynette shows up to the party with bongo drums and the twins i had forgotten like i wasn't ever paying attention to that line where she's like i got Topher bongo drums so i hope you really enjoy hearing that <laughs> something like that and i was like yeah. oh i didn't even notice this the first million times i watched it I always did notice, interestingly enough. Like, that's one of those lines that I really remember. And then later on, when she says, I'm taking the bongos with me. Like, wait, that was your threat, though. I forgot about that. Which one is it? Is it a gift or is it a weapon? Yeah, that's strange. Um, Cue the basically all-out brawl in the bounce house of them yelling at each other. And Lynette threatens to tell everybody who Patient Zero is. And oh, my favorite moment is Mona Clark trying to get her kids away from the boys. I didn't realize Mona Clark has been around for so long. I was just gonna say, I didn't even catch that. It just shows if you stick around with a small part, like she had one line, like, get away from the boys. <laughs> right, right, like, right. Yeah. Well, you can really you can, grow. You can stick <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, basically, as soon as Lynette threatens to tell everyone who patient zero is, Tammy is like, oh, no, fine, I'll tell. I'll tell everyone it wasn't your boys. Okay, what, bitch? What What was your plan? What was your plan here? It just seems strange, too, because like, so you're going to allow- make Lynette and the boys leave at, after it's clear she already knows. Like, it's, yeah, what a shitty person. And like, you're going to potentially spread, okay, like, ideally- Topher's lice is already gone but like you never know it could be on it they're coming to his house right where it probably started if it's his fourth time getting it oh I bet you these kind of situations happen a lot with like rich families and COVID oh you know a kid has COVID it doesn't want to cancel the birthday party so they place blame on like another family and then this comes up I know well all is well that ends well. Lynette wins. Yay! By the way, this is the second episode in a row where Lynette has had a completely disconnected plotline from the rest of the ladies. Very true. We do have a little overlap with her hosting poker, but yeah. that poker was all about everyone else. It was not right. about her at all. She entered other people's plot lines, but no one else was... Hers was very isolated. Yeah, I noticed like, that... The first gossip was happening. I thought it was going to be people talking about Maisie Gibbons because she's a mom there, but it was about life. Yeah, right. So weird. And I remember the last time we recapped, we kind of just threw Lynette's plotline at the very end of the episode because it had nothing to do with what was going Aww. on. <laughs> None. And I put her in the middle because there were kind of two large plot lines and then Lynette. So yeah, she let's was get to the next big plot line, which is what I'm lovingly calling Edie and Paul and Susan. (laughs) Edie is the real main through line with all this, which is fun. Susan barely shows up until the very end of the episode. 
Yeah. Just the right amount of Susan for me personally. Um, Paul's decided not to sell the house. Edie takes it well. She's like, that's the business. I'll drop off the key back tonight, but Paul won't be home. So Edie makes a joke about just keeping it. (laughs) Like, I can keep it. Seductive joke. And then she she says something like, come on, Paul, your wife has been dead six months. Like, lighten up. up. Yeah, she's like, it's a joke, Paul. I know your wife's been dead, but it's six months. Like, girl. Then Felicia Uh wanders on over with a necklace of Edie's that she found in Martha's house. And I love Edie. She just gets so sentimental. Oh, I miss how we used to steal things from each other. (laughs) I love the Martha Edie friendship. Rest in peace. (laughs) So Paul is like very uh, adamant about Mike's arrest being some sort of small talk piece with Felicia. So I heard they have a suspect in your sister's murder. And it's like just so random. Like Real the second subtle, Paul. shows up. I know. Like, what are you doing? Of course, she goes, Oh, he didn't kill her. With <laughs> absolute certainty. She knows for sure. And Paul tries to like casually be like, Oh, you know, but what about the evidence? You know, the bracelet and stuff. <laughs> like why are you pushing this you fucking weirdo it's so weird and then i think edie like compliments something of felicia's and then she brings up salt lake city somehow oh no um felicia finds she in she turns to edie who is still standing there as this is going on it's like oh do you you know is that an antique and starts talking about antique stores like you ever been to salt lake city edie there's an antique store there what about you paul you ever been to salt lake city never been mm, you should go i think you'd like it edie and tries to steer clear of utah yeah oh yeah she's like no edie i don't want to go to utah I'm like good call edie that seems correct for her no alcohol and like no promiscuity so she'd be very unhappy so <laughs> she's good where she is in fairview then so this triggers something in Paul. He's like, "What the fuck, Salt Lake City?" He goes through his old video t- tapes, finds one of Mary Alice at work, like getting a party. I don't know, promotion or something. And there's Felicia in Salt Lake City with Angela, not Mary Alice. Her name is Angela. They're wearing scrubs too in this scene. Yes. Right? Yeah. So they're at the hospital, like they're at work. They're at work. Both nurses. Interesting. Interesting. Edie wins the poker game and it shares with Lynette that she's been bluffing the whole time. And I love this little bit about bluffing. It's not really relevant to the rest, but I just love Edie talking about how her first husband really taught her how to bluff because he was so bad in bed. So good, Edie. <laughs> and then she's asking, oh, this is actually important because she asks why Susan wasn't at the poker game. And Lynette kind of is trying to evade the question, not talk about Susan. And Edie calls her out and is like, wow, Tom must be great in bed because you suck at bluffing. (laughs) But basically, Uh, Lynette's like, I don't feel comfortable sharing Susan's issues with Mike with you because you're not really her friend. And she's like, I am. Why am I not her friend? And she's like, well, you need to start being more supportive of Susan. (laughs) And she's like, fine. What if you want to be supportive, but you can't stand listening to people, bitch? <laughs> Love Edie. Then it's good to know how to bluff. <laughs> Full circle. Love it. 
But Edie tries. She goes over to su- see Susan and Susan is being pathetic. So she tells her to get her ass up. Half the hour started half an hour ago and it's time to buck up and blow off some steam. Oh my gosh, we have Saddle Ranch part two. We love, although I'm not sure if this is Saddle Ranch. It didn't have Saddle Ranch. It's not, it's not, but it's just part two and that Edie, there. The two of them are Edie going. Edie and Susan her. taking the bar and uh, Edie literally dragged Susan by her ankle at one point, which I really was like, wow, that's bold. So desperate. Susan's drinking red wine and Edie's drinking a beer and a shot of whiskey as Susan's just moping around, lamenting about men having the upper hand because they know they're lonely and desperate. Desperate. (laughs) Then they start talking about, okay, if Mike did not kill Martha, then who did? Because Susan's on this like rant about how it's definitely not Mike. Um, Susan says, it's got to be someone like Paul because he's definitely hiding something. Edie's been super out of the loop around this. Oh, yeah, so we get a quick recap from Susan here. (laughs) Yeah, because Edie, like, hasn't been in any of the girls' conversations when they're talking about Dana and everything. So she learns all of what's happening with Dana, the dead baby, and Mary Alice's blackmail letter. Yes. Her response is, what the hell kind of street do we live (laughs) on? Great question, Edie. We'd all like to know. She jokes, another joke that we're like, okay, weird joke about breaking into Paul's house because she has the key. And of course, Susan's like, yes, we should do that. Even though Edie was joking. (laughs) They do it and they're awful. They're knocking shit over. They keep the lights off and yet they're making such a mess, keep running into things. They find the video tape of Angela because Edie stubs her toe and knocks something over. So they pop the tape in, and the second they pop the tape into the VCR, they hear Paul at the door. Paul is not out of town tonight. He's here. So they hide behind the couch. The videotape slips behind the couch cushion, I noticed. So we know that later he's going to pop up at some point. He's going to be like, why was this here? Susan and Edie are behind the couch that Paul goes and sits on. And Edie knows this isn't sustainable. There's one course of action here. I'm going to pop up behind him. And just like pops and then doesn't quite know what her next move is. So then she's all, hi. (laughs) Hello, Paul. I was just dropping off your key and he's like, what are you up to? It's 1130 at night. There's no way that's true. And so she's like, all right, shift gears into seduction mode, (laughs) which unfortunately for her works. He's like, wait, I'm not feeling weird about this. Come back after they make out until Susan. Edie literally has to force her mouth on Paul until Susan crawls out onto the driveway. Susan pauses and stares at them for so long. She takes so long. Fuck it's you, the most Susan. annoying thing. And, and of course, she keeps crawling when she's outside. She yeah, why is she crawling down crawling the driveway? Until she gets to like the street where she, then she starts running and Mike sees her, flags her down to talk. And basically, she's like, I'm not going to trust you, blah, blah, blah. Nothing really matters. And he's like, what, kisses her and goes, Well, you can believe that. But. <laughs> so dumb terrible cheesy so weird poor Edie stuck with Paul what is do we think with Paul do we buy that he's actually just a gross man and is a man and yep that tracks or is he calling her bluff Mm. just to bring it back to the bluffing I think 
the first theory because we've noticed that Paul's not very smart. Like he is in some ways, but in other ways, he's like can be kind of ignorant. That's very, very true. Um, yeah. hmm. Curious. I don't think we ever really get a <laughs> follow up to that little plot line, but everyone loves a scandal no matter how big or how small. After all, what could be more entertaining than watching the downfall of the high and mighty? What could be more amusing than the public exposure of hypocritical sinners? That's fun. Yes, everyone loves a scandal. And for some reason, if you aren't enjoying the latest one, well, then the next one is always around the corner. I was really expecting her to say something like, then it means you're a part of it. (laughs) True, she should have. But she didn't. That's what she said. Such a fun episode. Yeah, my best dress was either that Brie in that prison outfit, pink coat, or Gabby also had a nice off the another off the shoulder sweater, but it was like oh, yeah. a pale teal kind of minty green that I liked when they were um, talking to Mike about the plumbing. Yep, I loved that look too. Both good. I didn't come up with um, fashion this episode, but what's who's your MVP? I had an oh, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. It was almost Edie, but mine is going to be the school nurse. That's so good, school nurse. That's mine. The school nurse. But she also Edie is a close second. Yeah, Edie is iconic. That would have been mine too. I mean, she did the most. She made out with Paul just to protect her and Susan. She really did. She deserved. She needs at least one of ours to be <laughs> her because she made out with Paul for us. We also love Edie moments where she actually like shows some compassion and there's no ulterior ulterior motives. Like she actually yes. cared about Susan and she wanted to She was like, How do I be a good friend? And like tried. <laughs> it right. was so nice. She actually tried. I'm so proud of Edie. Wow. Oh, what a fun episode. Well, I think we'll probably have one more DH episode before we get back into Bachelor. I know, it's wild. I wish we had had more time for DH, but No, it happened so quickly. Yeah. All right. We'll talk soon. Talk soon.